everyone, and welcome to the Friday, November 13th. Friday the 13th, installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. Once more, we're at my house in Sunnyvale, still quarantined, but ready to go. My name is Mike Malone, and I've been covering this town longer than anybody. I'm here with our special contributor, Scott Budman, business and tech reporter for NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove, and our host for this podcast is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, Scott, we got a lot of stuff to cover this week. Yeah, what a week. And, you know, you'd think this would have been a week dominated by politics, but for my money, I would say it was dominated by the vaccine. Yes. At least the test. I mean, Pfizer coming in with a 90% success rate on a COVID-19 vaccine, uh, you know, just post-election. Right. Uh, with an interesting mix. And then, you know, on the heels of it, Moderna, the smaller, younger company we talked about from Massachusetts, saying they're about to have data as well by the time you hear this. Yeah, they they're still in trials. Right? Oh, yeah, this is all yeah. in trials. But the Pfizer trial, you know, according to those who know, really successful, right. very encouraging. And that sent the market uh, kind of in a mirror image of what we saw over the last eight months. Right. You know, the Dow, all the industrial stocks were way up. And then Zoom and gold yeah. and, and Peloton. And flip-flop this week. Yeah. yeah, and which is so early, but it was the first real sign of vaccine-type optimism that we've seen in a while. I got a note from uh, our Massachusetts correspondent, uh, Mr. Grove, and I want to read it to you because I want to get your response. If you want evidence of my theory that the market is being driven by emotional 30- to 40-year-olds and not financial fundamentals, look at bio. Pfizer is your grandfather's stock, and Moderna is the hip and cool company. Pfizer has a proven, we think, drug, and it is down. Moderna is still in trials, and it's up. Irrational. What do you think? Well, he's got a good point, although Pfizer did pop a couple bucks on the day that the 90% was released, right. but not nearly as much as even Moderna, yeah. just on the hopes of its thing. Now, He's right. If it's your grandfather's stock, Pfizer has a whole bunch more shares out there. Even a $2 move is pretty good for Pfizer. Right. Moderna is a much newer company, and its stock is very volatile because people are trying to figure out what it should trade at. Right. Uh, you know, the market values are, are much different. Moderna is just a fraction of, of Pfizer. Um, so, you know, yes, this whole thing is still in trial. And we're all trying to figure out where it goes from here. Even the most optimistic doctors were telling us we're eight months in. Yeah. We still have another eight months to go. Best case scenario before we get this vaccine to everybody. Well, but it's still astounding. We heard yeah. it's going to be 2022. Then we heard, oh, maybe 2021 if we're lucky. Now, all of a sudden, here it is. And I think the administration just cut a deal where all the vaccines are going to be free in the United States. Right. That seems to be the plan is that uh, they'll be given for free. Um, they're working at distribution deals. Yeah, now the question is, who do we give it to? Well, right. And and that's why there's going to be this delay, because first, you know, it's going to want to, the frontline workers and the hospitals, the emergency workers, right. you know, people who have uh, pre-existing conditions. There are a whole bunch of things to still figure out. We got a big philosophical moral one, too. Yeah. With Zeke Emanuel, what he's written in the past, you know, anybody over 75 shouldn't even be getting medication. You know, he's on the new COVID uh, committee. Do we give it to old people? Because they're the only ones truly at risk. The whole point of us being so careful is not to give it to old people. Right. So do we give it to them first? 
or do we give it to young people so they can go back and live a normal life and let kids go back to school and, and do all of that? I mean, I don't know. You're right. There's a, a big philosophical It's decision. a great argument for, for producing a shitload of vaccines as fast as you possibly can. Well, and that's another thing is how fast can this be developed and shipped talking about how it needs to be, what, 70 degrees, minus 70 degrees yeah. Celsius, and it has to be shipped a certain way. And, and, and that's just the Pfizer one. a certain one. amount of time. Yeah. And, um, and that means yet another business has to spring up is the distribution and storage yeah. of this potential vaccine. Did, did you look? I didn't look. I don't even know if they're public. Cryogenic companies and all of that, did they go through the roof? I, I mean, don't you know. you got to keep this stuff at 70 below zero. Right. You know, and or at least Celsius. Mm -hmm. That's that's is that dry ice or is that yeah? I think it's, you're going to see a lot of dry ice yeah. sales. Um, and and again, some doctors and and you know biotech people that we spoke to during the week said this is not completely unusual. There are drugs that require this sure. that are in circulation, and we've done this before. But they'll admit this is yeah. more of a challenge than a typical... But not for 5 billion people. And that's the yeah. thing. It, it's got to be this gigantic scale, which means everything is kind of new. Yeah. But think about it. I mean, this is a this would be a record by a lot of, of coming up with a virus for a vaccine of this size. Uh, uh, for and, you know, I think it's problems. rehearsal for the rest of the 21st century, too. You know? Right. Okay, so we you mentioned this, but... Uh, Really, the stock market did a flip-flop this week. You know, uh, airlines, cruise lines, movie theaters, restaurants, stocks, all up for the surviving restaurants. Meanwhile, all the ones, all of our hero stocks <laughs> the last six months, Zoom, Roku, Snap, Peloton, yeah. briefly, tumbled, and gold fell. Yeah, now, gold just is the safe haven when, when the Dow sure. goes up often. Anytime but, there's high risk or volatility. Right, yeah. and we saw a lot of these darlings, you could call them, I guess, might be insensitive, but to call them pandemic darlings, yeah, but they really were. drop, right, just again, even on the recognition that best case scenario, we're only halfway through this, which yes. means you all have a lot more zooming to do. There's a lot Those more of you who want to stay in there. shape yeah. have a lot more biking to do inside, yeah. yeah. And nonetheless, to see cruise line stocks up 30%, to see retail stocks up 20 and 30%. Kind of warms your heart because these guys have been suffering. I mean, right. they've been in trouble. And and again, why do you buy a stock? You buy a stock on what it might do in the future. Exactly. But there's still a lot of pain in a lot of these companies. Um, and, and again, you just mentioned a couple minutes ago, Michael, this could change the way we do things for a long time. We're about to find out right, how this I, has changed our lifestyle. Right, and I want to say how many out there even if you wake up in a day where there's no more coronavirus, they're going to say, let's take a cruise or even let's go to the mall. Yeah. How see, long I until think we that, go see that movies? That date's a, quite a ways off. It, it's, yeah, and um, there's that fear, which is totally rational and understandable, that um, crowds may still be a yeah. thing for a while. Yeah, you know, but I could see people going, well, outdoors, let's gather. You know, let's go to the restaurant, and the restaurant has taken out a couple tables to create a little bit more space, but not, you know, full bore all the way back to the lifestyle we used to know. Now, let me make one lifestyle mention, Peloton, which did yeah, fall. Yeah, Peloton. <laughs> they had quite a week. We they, have been talking about this company for a year and a half. And it tells you something because Peloton, and it's, it's I, I guess you could say the same about Tesla, it's, it's positioned at people with money and the idea that you would have this 
super bike in your garage or your house, pay extra for membership to watch the videos and all this stuff. And yet it's done very well as a public company, especially during the last eight months when gyms are closed. Yeah. Um, so Peloton falls, but then it announces a deal with Beyonce. Because they're so liquid right now. They got so much cash. Right. And it's a deal that actually goes deeper than just licensing some music. She is apparently crafting some exercise routines and it's sent Peloton stock right back up to where it put a ring on it? She works out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no doubt. Uh, and and this is, uh, you know, Beyonce is, is a is a cultural phenomenon. I mean, it's not just music. Right. It's music. It's fashion. Like you say, she's obviously a healthy, in-shape person. Everything you could think of for a Peloton. You need music. You need fitness. Beyonce exemplifies this. It's a perfect match. And you wonder why a lot of these companies haven't done this type of thing earlier. Instead, they struggle through music licensing problems, which cost a lot of money and you know all that stuff. Uh, Peloton, like you say, put a ring on it. They just said, Beyonce, let's do the whole thing because you represent all of it. You're the perfect embodiment of what we want to right. sell. It's, it's a brilliant, and it, it is. It's a it's a bold move too because they had to see the end of the pandemic at some point, and they took their money that they made and ran with it. They made their move. You you, you charge the, uh, you know the when you're being attacked, when you're being ambushed. You charge into it. You don't back off. And too many companies right now just hunkered down. Yeah. Peloton is a brilliant move. And I think they've really inserted their technology into our culture. I agree. And I think this is going to be a moment where we'll see other artists do the same thing. It's been tough yeah. for musicians out there because, you know, you can't tour. It's even hard right. to release music. Um, so instead of trying to get whatever scraps the Spotify's and the Apple Music's will throw at you per stream, now you're going to say, okay, I can't sell a whole lot of merchandise because we don't have concerts for a while. But look, I'm I'm fit, I'm good looking, yeah. I'm I'm famous, whatever it is, let's put that towards a Peloton or something like that. And this is a great, great move. And let's face it, our entire society has been eating Cheetos for the last six months. <laughs> we all need to get everybody's into overweight. <laughs> uh, okay, as of Monday, Uber and Lyft shares up fifty percent since election day. That's not real surprising, is it? No, it's not. And of all the post-election moves, yeah. you know, frequently you see a market say, well, we like the Democrat or we like the Republican. Um, the market is doing fine because of coronavirus optimism. Once that optimism goes away, no matter, you know, whatever right. Biden does, it will still go down. I mean, right. this is how we're, we're rolling these days. But that was a very specific uh, move, Prop 22, saying Uber and Lyft now, they don't have to pay all the workers. And Were you surprised at the success of Prop 22? Not really. Uh, well, I mean, the unions threw enormous amounts of money behind it. The state legislature's behind it. Uber the governor Lyft. was behind it. Right, you couldn't get an Uber or a Lyft or even a DoorDash order without something coming saying, hey, yeah. Prop 22 is what we need to do. So, all right, the companies have their way. The gig economy, you know, gigs on. Um, and Any idea I, how much money would total was spent by both sides? I saw, yeah, I was. Yeah, I mean, it's like in the oligarchs against the politicians, and they all have big money to burn on right. this thing. Um, and again, I support jobs, I support benefits, I support yeah. healthcare. Those but are all gone. The, you want the safety net? Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens if people still, as they did before, flock to drive or deliver. Yeah. for these companies. And maybe 22 doesn't make a difference in terms of the willingness of people to participate in the gig economy. Okay, I'm not gonna, I, I'm consciously not talking about the election, but we do have one interesting one in the tech world, which is a massive movement, it seems, by conservatives from 
Twitter and Fox News and all of that heading towards new apps. I don't know if you've looked at some of these, like like Newswack, Newsmax, and Parler, but they're pretty unsophisticated at this point. Yeah, my living is to sort of dive into those. Yeah. And it's it's often not pretty, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, the user interface is, is like 1992 or something. They're yeah, and the comments are even further thrown yeah, back. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how long people stay with these because some will say, hey, we're just free speech, everything is, is acceptable. But when you're overwhelmed with Crazy. conspiracy, hate yeah. speech, yeah, after a while, uh, trust me, that gets that gets old. Um, but you're right, the top three uh, apps were, you know, just a couple of days ago, were all conservative apps that people are going to. Is it a temporary thing or is it where people are going because, again, like TV, cable, people want to be preached to by a certain so choir. So do they stay there? Do they stay there for an extended period of time then finally drift back? Or do they just give up in a few weeks? And I think that's important because you take Fox News, had the highest ratings on cable, collapsed. Their ratings have gone down like enormous. They won't even talk about it, but they've gone out and hired a, a crisis PR firm and all of that. I, I don't think that... Parlor is going to have a whole lot of impact on Twitter. I don't think so. Because but we're seeing it with TV. I mean, do these guys stay away long enough that the advertising rates start to fall? The stock starts to fall on these traditional, I mean, I say traditional, these, <laughs> these more established sites? That's a good question. And that would be a pretty big move because yeah. you've, you've always had your sort of fringe sites, your right. sidebar sites, but the main sites have always done well. And it would take a really big move to, to do what you just described, but who knows if, if conservatives lose faith in Fox News right. um, and look, uh, look no further than Fox News anchor Maria Bartiromo, who right. had already been kind of a case study in woe yeah. even before this election. Like, wow, she really went from CNBC and talking about money and being respected to, wow, what a voice in the conservative movement. And she's Who on saw Fox this? Business as opposed to Fox Right, News. and now right. coming up with these, the election is rigged, I'm going yeah. to parlay. That's a surprise. Um, I, uh, how many people she can take with her? Who knows? It's it's a strange trend, but it's a trend. Well, you know, there's one theory that that Trump goes and creates another. He creates the the alternative Fox out there. Right. That's one of the theories. Well, so if the nation, I mean, the the, the darkest scenario is the nation literally starts dividing into two, where we have two camps and they're only talking to themselves, with a wall between them, and I think that is dangerous i mean for democracy that's dangerous right now we've had what four elections five elections that are within one percent or two percent i mean this is an you look at american history we haven't had this long of a run this contentious and this close where the country is literally divided in half and you know i don't see a way out of it at the moment no it, it would take quite a while um, because people are willing to not only stress the divide, but in the vacuum of a divide, they will create a divide. And look no further than social media as to where people are going for this. And look at traditional, traditionally, you know, in the 1850s, everybody had to kind of read the same news source. I mean, there, each town had a Republican paper and a Democrat paper, but they kind of covered the same news. I look at this now, and these two worlds are not even seeing reality the same way okay so all right let's go to 
let's go to something a little more happy. Apple, <laughs> our friends at Apple, lots of new Macs. They had that announcement last. Yeah, the third this week. The third Apple event in three months. This one was about Macs. Yep. Um, and the nugget that dropped that made my eyebrows go up was this quarter, I guess last quarter, the biggest quarter for Mac sales ever. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah, well, yes and no. It's fallen out of our consciousness. Well, but yes, because we're in a recession, you don't think people are upgrading their right. fairly expensive laptop computers and desktops, but they are because of the pandemic, because now not only are individuals saying, I need something better because I've got to keep up or my kid I has to keep up. Processing speed, I'm, right. I'm watching... I'm watching videos all day long. I'm Zoom calling. I want a better screen. Exactly. Display. And companies are saying, okay, we're going to make you work from home. We'll buy you the latest because we yeah. want you to keep up. So you've seen a lot of that and Apple saying, okay, we're going to update in this environment, which actually makes sense. Right. They kept the pricing, I don't want to say reasonable, but it didn't go up too far on the, you know, the air is yeah, too, $9.99. Yeah, too far is always a... Right. Yeah, relative, for the when pro. you're talking about Apple, it's always a relative right. term. Right. I mean, yeah. there are desk or laptop and desktops that are far less expensive that do sure. just as fast computing, and and those sales are hot too. Yeah. People are buying a lot of hardware. But this is the first generation with all Apple M1 chips in it, right? Processors, Mostly, processors. there's still some high end with the Intel processor, but this is clearly a okay breakup that's taking some time. But yeah, the M1 processor is Apple's. You know, I read an interesting analysis that said. Apple is making a brilliant move here. I mean, you think, oh, we're, they're getting away from they, they, how much do they know about semiconductor technology, but they've been doing processors for years in all their other consumer products. And this writer pointed out that if you go to the Intel chips, they're still, they still have the core of the 8080 and the 8086 invented in 1980. Okay, and and everything's been built on top of that architecture, and they're they got the they got the problem that IBM had in the 70s, which was they had such a huge installed base of 360 mini mainframe computers that the only thing they could do was was to advance it a little bit to the 370, which still took everything from this 360 architecture, including the software, because they had this giant anchor of user base and everything else. And Apple has been able to start from scratch. You know, so it's it's M1 chips chip has the potential for 20 years of development and not be dragging along 50 years behind it. Right, look, this is yet another blow for Intel. They've had a rough couple of months. <laughs> um, AMD's new chip is selling hot. Intel is- AMD's new chip sold out. There you go, that's all you need to know. Nvidia obviously is red hot. Qualcomm is still in all the phones. Intel is finding itself on the sidelines at right. a bad time. But also for Apple, this gives it, what? More control, which Apple has. And this is a Steve Jobs thing from way back. Well, it they've, loves always, they've always been the walled garden. Yeah. Right, this, this just does that more. Um, they made a big deal, a big deal during this event of how much people are going to appreciate, whoa, it's Apple's chip. I disagree completely. People are just, if it's fast, they'll like it. If it works, they'll like it. Apple has a lot of advantages, some disadvantages. People dig it. They buy them. They're not going to say, oh, my goodness, the chip has changed. Now, I don't think. That world, I mean, that hasn't been around since Intel inside. Right. You know, nobody really cares about the process or just what do I see now? Right. And so it's it's a move for Apple that it's not going to be something that people, users really 
care about, but for Apple, they care about it because it gives them control. You know, and let's, well, let's talk about Intel just for a second because we have, but uh, I don't know where they go. I mean, they, they tried to come up with a brand new chip architecture years back, the Itanium, right? Mm -hmm. Do you ever hear about it? No. No, but you wouldn't. I mean, it's, I in big, it's in big servers and that sort of thing, but the game is in consumer right now. And well, they, they don't have anything that, that, that captures the imagination of designers. No, and what do big companies with lots of cash do when they're struggling? They buy companies. And look, NVIDIA made a huge buy. Yeah. They bought ARM. Uh, AMD made a huge buy. They bought Xilinx. There is consolidation right now in the chip industry. And but Intel's in, not going to do that because Intel's culture eh, has never might. been a lot of acquisition. No, but they have to find themselves into especially mobile right now. Yeah. And how do they do that? I, I don't see them buying Qualcomm. Qualcomm is too big. Right. But they need something like that that gets them into the fast lane because right now everything they do seems to be in the in the slow lane while these other companies are just passing them by. Right. So at some point they've got to make a move that, and, and when you're big like that, the move often comes with cash buying somebody else. You know, if you look at the history of the Valley, there's this phenomenon where companies look big and powerful and they're still hot and they're strong. And then a moment of weakness occurs and they grow old so fast. I mean, they literally, they've peaked. And you don't know they peak because they're hitting, you know, new records and everything else. And then all of a sudden it falls away and it falls away unbelievably fast. I've seen this phenomenon my entire life in this town. But we know Intel has got its its fingers in a number of pies right. that, are, that are young, that are sexy, that are mobile. They haven't but monetized them yet. I know, I know. And that's what has to happen. Well, that's what happened point. to Microsoft. But Microsoft has brought itself back. Right. I mean, the same thing. Microsoft got old overnight and it looked like they were going to die eventually. I mean... Now they're back in the game. So maybe, you know, 90% of the companies here don't do it, but maybe Intel can be one of the 10%. Okay, companies going public. Yeah, you know, here we are. In, in... One of the problems of going public is it's a nine-month process. And so you can be the hottest companies around at the beginning of the pandemic. And by the time, you know, all the paperwork is done and the roadshow and everything else and you go public, the world could change. <laughs> well, as we know, I mean, but a couple of these companies, uh, DoorDash just just filed, so we're, we're opening the books there. Roblox, which is a gamer, they've been around a long time. Uh, both very, very successful during the pandemic, as yes. we've seen delivery and gaming. Uh, Airbnb is finally making it pretty clear that they're gonna go soon. Right. Um, that's not so much a pandemic play, but Airbnb has just been a cash yeah. juggernaut for a long time. Um, but one of the things I'm curious with Airbnb is to see all the financials and to see how they're really doing. They've been around a while too. Right. They're in the culture. They're, you know, yeah. it's a verb. Are you going to Airbnb yeah, this? Yeah, exactly. Uh, does that translate to profit? I don't know. Um, maybe, you know, it'll be interesting to see their, uh, their books open. So who went out this week? Uh, so far, I think just DoorDash. Not, they didn't go out. They filed. They filed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so this week has been... Quiet in terms of companies going, but... Were they filed at no. the beginning of the process, or they filed, they were just waiting for the nod? No, some, I think they, DoorDash, we now know, they're they're opening up, and they're like, wow, this is how much money we lost, and they're, yeah. they're making it, they're going public soon. Okay. Uh, Roblox and Airbnb, I believe, have almost filed. They're, they're ready to go. Okay. Um, and then some others, and, uh, you know, we've recently seen some biotech plays. Obviously, that's hot. 
um, uh, it's, you know, here we are almost Thanksgiving and companies are still yeah, I know. filing and going. Going into holiday season, going public? Not in the current environment. Like you say, you've got to strike while the iron is hot. Right. But what, how hot is it going to be nine months from now? Who knows? Okay. Uh, you know, we've been talking about the cultural shift that's going on as a result of the pandemic and the change in the way people work. And uh, we've seen two things. I just read something from Silicon Valley Rising. You know who they are? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and they're the activist group that represents uh, working people around here. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they've, they've surveyed 13,000 people, you know, janitors and, you know, that sort of folks. And they're finding a lot of real concern because as the companies physically downside, those jobs disappear. And uh, there's a lot of worry among those workers that they're not gonna be able to come back to a job. A lot of them have been laid off, but they assume they're gonna get rehired, but there may not be anything to be rehired to. So that's one cultural effect. Another one, this one's interesting, Deutsche Bank just came out with a research report called What We Must Do to Rebuild. And they suggest that workers who choose to work remotely should pay an added tax to help workers on low income who cannot. Meaning, you get to go home, you get all the bennies of being home, you know, and none of the costs. And what we should be doing is making you make up for the fact that you're not paying for travel and you're not doing all these other things and you're getting full wages while these workers that have to come in have to, you know, travel and buy meals and all of that stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna do a surcharge on you. We're gonna tax you some fractional amount for being able to work at home. Which is kind of interesting because the whole point of of sending people at home was cost savings right. and everything else. But it says it seems like something California will do. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like something <laughs> California would do, and it'll it'll be about as popular as every hey new tax we want to slap on you. Yeah. Um. Look, even a lot of people working from home right now, depending on what industry they're in, are nervous about their jobs because right. we're in a deep recession that's not going away anytime soon. And so, as grateful as people are that still have jobs, the idea of saying while you're trying to squirrel away enough money because you might lose that job, right. we're going to charge you a new tax. Yeah. Uh, that'll go over well. Good luck. Yeah. Well, way to go, Deutsche Bank. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, as long as we're on uh, Europe, the EU is, is lashing back. They're always trying. They've been trying to take apart U.S. tech companies for years because they have such a huge footprint in Europe. Um, so a coalition of 135 startups uh, with tech companies and services and verticals, including travel, accommodations, and jobs, have just written to the European Commission to urge antitrust action against Google, saying that as long as Google has this much power, it's going to kill all of our companies. And uh, at the same time, the EU regulators have filed anti- antitrust charges last week against Amazon, saying that it's using uh, its access to data from companies that sell products on its platform, to gain an advantage over them. Well, this is nothing new. America's doing the exact oh, same thing. Hey, a dozen years ago, at, when I was doing all that stuff at Oxford University, all I heard from Brits was, you know, the, the, the heavy hand of Amazon. It was Apple then and yeah. Microsoft. But 
they really want to control these hugely successful American companies. Well, right. And they go even further than, than America's government. You know, we have antitrust hearings and we say, well, maybe you could give the other guys a little chance. Yeah. In Europe, they're like, hey, let's just close Facebook for yeah. good. Yeah. Let's not let anybody go on Facebook. Right. And so... Oh, and fine them $10 billion right. while we're at it. Yeah, the EU is is tough. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they're just as tough post whatever Brexit turns out to be. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is nothing new. The EU has been tough. I've been on the, the British talk shows as sort of the person from Silicon Valley to, I guess, defend these companies. The punching bag. Yeah, and when you hear what these people say, they will put their kids' phones in a safe. Yeah. In a safe to say, we don't want you on it's, social media. It's vitriolic. Right, it's there. not just you know regulating screen time. It's yeah. under lock and key. And um, and I get it, I'm a parent, I sure. understand. Um, but let's let's not fool ourselves. The British are just tougher on these things than right. they are. And, and I don't hear any calls over there from breaking up European companies. Um, no, and, and well, I don't know, actually. Yeah. Um, but there aren't that many European companies that rise to well, the level of Google kind or of the, Amazon. That's kind of the point, isn't that, isn't yes, it? Yeah. Isn't that kind of the point? Um, but that is what it is. And I think as these companies faced antitrust charges and hearings here, they will across the pond It'll as give well. ammunition over there. Yeah. But I also think there's a lot of it's just political bluff. You know, it helps It helps with the, uh, the voting classes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, finally. Uh, in San Jose this week, a Bay Area company dropped a prefabricated home into a backyard. Did you cover the story? I was there. You were there. I've walked through one of these homes. Yeah. How is it? It's 500 square feet, right? Yeah, it's small, but it, it reminds 190 me. 190 grand. Yeah, it's, um, it, it reminds you of a apartment. Yeah. You know, it's not big, but it's something, and it's often in the backyard of a right. house. It's, it's, it's like the traditional mother-in-law quarters, if That's right? what it is, yeah. I, but now you can rent it out. The, the new the new city regulations are allowing you to... Right, so if you buy this prefab home for 190000 and you rent it out, um, you know, I mean... 2500 bucks a month, maybe? Maybe. Uh, it, it, uh, that I don't know, because that, in this one home that we saw, that hadn't happened yet, but given the rents around here... Yeah. And this is a new facility. It, it screens modernity, even though it's small. Yeah, and it's a, it's a wonderful way to infill yeah. without knocking down houses and putting four four houses on the same lot. Right, and that's the big thing because if you did it right now in your backyard, yeah, you know, you and your wife would become landlords without having to worry about another property or like you say knocking things down or expanding our carbon footprint. It's right there in your backyard. What year did you buy your house in? Uh, about 20 years ago, so yeah, right about bought, 99. If you bought a house around here 20 years ago and you're able to rent out right. a house in your backyard, you pretty much cover your mortgage. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. yes. And that's what, that's what I think this is, is going to start spurring. And the city, this is important because there's so much regulation, the city is behind it. And, uh, and that means a lot. And it, it will be interesting to see if people do this because it will give them a reason to stay. Ah, now I can pay my mortgage. Yeah. I'm doing something to help the housing crisis and people can come here. Let's say that the people moving into this one was a young couple and you're like, oh, this is how they get started at 200 grand to have a home, yes. a small home in Silicon Valley. That's And maybe of. we stop losing our kids. Yeah. 
Maybe. You know, because they're having to move out. I mean, they might not move into your backyard, but they might move into somebody else's backyard for a while. You're right. How does it look? It looks good. I mean, I know people, you know, Eichlers here in Sunnyvale, some of them are starting to build little things in their backyard that look like mini Eichlers. You know, the exposed beams and all glass. So they have a congruence between the architecture. This does not have that congruence. This is more of what you'd expect. It's almost like a, a, a big trailer, but... Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's a free found home. It, it it looks decent. Nice kitchen. It did, yeah, yeah. Boy, it, I, I don't see a downside. No. Okay. You gonna have one in your backyard? Um, I don't think so. But but you never know. <laughs> you I never mean, know. This thing catches on. Why not? Uh, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Stay safe and have a great weekend. Bye bye.